It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Rusty. Boom is Rusty. Welcome everybody to the podcast, the public access podcast here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN. And I'm your host, Rusty Diamond. You can check out other great shows that I co-host on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, such as When the Gloves Come Off, the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Saved by the Ben. And this show is brought to you by Stoner Eats Productions. Fred Ben Savage's Buck, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is Great, and Sockemup.org. And you guys, it is Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. And I did three episodes yesterday, and three, I think, is too many. Two is a good number. Three, I, it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm happy I got to talk with Jamie though last night, but I think I'm going to stick with two. Two is my good booking number. So unless I'm not, uh, hosting it. If I'm just on the podcast, I can do three or four, but if I'm hosting, I'll stick with two. Two is a good number. So today I have on a very special guest, and this is my only show today. So enjoy that. So today I'm going to bring on right here, right now, we have Bobby Chegwen. Hey. hey, uh, thank you for being here on the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. Thank you very much for having me. I, when we were chatting on Messenger, I really liked your vibe, so I was very happy to jump on today and have a chat with you. You seem like the real deal, Rusty. I I try to be. I I can I can't guarantee it, but um, I, I do my best of getting on that real deal because it's. It's important to me, and um, it's very easy to just like like we were talking about earlier for a minute. It's very easy to just gloss over, and you have the cookie cutter yeah. podcast that's ready to go, and um, and also, I mean, I I don't I don't want to have a set of questions either written out either. I don't want to have you know this big thing full and just having to stop every once in a while and you know kind of end up feel like I'm asking the same questions over and over mm. and um and I know a lot of people that do a lot of podcasts as a guest and I've done as a guest as well over and over have had to answer the same questions over and over and over mm-hmm. and for that I like for anyone <laughs> listening um if you want to know any more about my guest go yeah and you want that and I'm 95% sure every one of my guests has done a fair number of those podcasts and uh, they're great. And it's good to have all, but all you need is really one of those, maybe two. Um, Cause then you can just, you can use that. And that story, you know, everyone has a story and I don't know how much that story changes from, from time to time. And um yeah, I don't know. It's I, I just wanted to, to offer something a little bit different. So um, magic is in the flow. And just to see where you end up 
I think so too. And so speaking of, mm -hmm. uh, so from your flow of and where you ended up, um, so I take it you are from somewhere else. Somewhere else. I'm and from now the you deep south, and I'm from, actually from the deep, deep south, and hang a right, <laughs> and then you'll find me. You'll find my birth country, Australia. Yeah. Your birth country? Are you now living in Australia? No. Guess where I am. I'll give uh, you. I'll give you a hint. Horn. It's flat. Buckeye. Uh, is it is it uh, flat in the middle, but is it round on both sides? It's flat in the middle. There's water up north. There's a river down south. Yeah, we're the northernmost southern town, apparently, Cincinnati. Yep, uh, that's where I was born. No way. Yeah. Wow, what a coincidence. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. where we are. Okay. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's a great place. I, I went back there two years ago to mm -hmm. um, to visit some friends that were, they have a, I guess it's a shop, um, but it's only open when they're, when they're there. I think it's more of a shop now and they're doing some more stuff, but it's up in, in Lebanon. And uh, that's, where, like, that's where we are. Well, no okay. Well, if you're ever looking for some, any sort of um sweet clothes or any sort of uh uh i don't know what what you'd call it um i like uh, yeah like uh not secondhand clothing whatever you would call it like what's the show they, they, they got some awesome stuff it's called mojo casher m-o-j-o C-A-S-H-E-R. And I think that they just moved their place. Um, but yeah, I went up there and uh, I got a whole bunch of stuff from them. I was, I got a bunch. I'm not wearing anything today though. Mm -hmm. um, but- Well, tell them you said hello. Yeah, yeah. If you, you head on over there, yeah, say Rusty sent you. And uh, All yeah. Right. It, oh, that's yeah, funny. It, yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. I went out there two years ago, uh, uh, Memorial Day, because yeah. I, I drove there from southern Minnesota, because I, I hadn't been back to Cincinnati since I was 11. Yeah. And so um, it's been a few years. So uh, yeah, I, I wanted to, I was living, it was a 10 hour drive wow. from where I was living, but I was moving west. So it was going to be further. Um, I think in like a week or two after that. And so like, well, I'm just going to go over and drive to Cincinnati and yeah. So, um, yeah. So have you had Cincinnati chili? Do you, yes. Or do you... yes. Um, once or twice. I'm not, I mean, it's okay. I know they, <laughs> I know they go on about it, but it's kind of like, People around here don't really fancy Vegemite that much. They'll taste it and think, oh, okay, but I love it. <laughs> so I think maybe it's something that you'll grow, you grow up with um, and so. it becomes something special. And I, I, it's nice, but, I mean, for me, it's minced meat with a bit of spice, what we call ground oh. meat. So, I mean, it's nice, but, yeah. Not a lot of spice. Not, There's, not too much. Not too much. It's... <laughs> 
yeah. It's, it is, it's an odd thing to tell somebody what it is. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's just, yeah. Uh, ground up meat with some, you know, cinnamon and chocolate and allspice. Uh, and you put it on top of a bunch of spaghetti noodles that are just plain. Yeah. And then you top it with a crap load of shredded cheese. There's a cheese. lot of cheese, yes. Um, yeah. yeah. But that's onions. America. America is a lot of cheese <laughs> and a lot of ranch. Well, yeah. Ooh. I, I, I can't do ranch. I've never, I've tried yeah. it one time and it just, it disgusted me so yeah. much. I won't. Yeah. I won't get near it. Um, I think you're the first American I've met who does not like ranch either. So, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is one. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's not too many of us. It's uh, and yeah, people look at me like I'm crazy when I say I don't like it. And yes, it's almost like a sin, I think, not to like ranch here. I think so. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, how long have you been over here for? Uh, just over five years now. Yeah, we okay. came for my husband's work. He had a job opportunity over here. So we decided to do that, go on a bit of an adventure. I was keen. I had lived in London for five years in my 20s. So I knew what it was like to, you know, pack up, leave, go and explore. And I like that. I like change and I like excitement and I like discovery um so came over here we brought one child over with us she did high school over here and then as soon as she turned 18 and the restrictions lifted from COVID in Australia she was out of here and uh -huh. <laughs> she was like no I need the beach <laughs> I need my friends my family my hometown and I get that I mean the others were all adults by the time we left and we're doing their own thing. And we brought one over. And during COVID, it was kind of difficult to have the same experience. So we, we were sad, but it's understandable that she went back home. So we're over here, I think maybe for another four or five years, and uh, they're all back home. So yeah, our empty nest phase is extreme, I think, on two different continents and 10,000 miles apart. And so, I mean, so then you didn't even get to take them to Kings Island or anything like that and go to... Yes, we, well, so I just had Lucy here and um, we did go to Kings Island and she and I traveled quite a bit, actually. She was my kind of wing girl over here. We went all sorts of places. When she finished high school, we went down to the Smoky Mountains. And then Ooh. I think it was maybe the same year or the year after, I had never seen the South. So I got an opportunity to house sit and dog sit in Alabama for a month. So we drove down there. Um, How'd we, you like that? I love like Alabama. It was way too humid. <laughs> However, we were in Fairhope, Alabama, and that's on the Gulf, on the, it's in Mobile Bay, that area. And we were quite near the border of Florida and Pensacola in that area. So we got to drive down and swim at um, Destin and those areas. So it was nice. It was, 
interesting. I think, at least in Fairhope, it's quite a um, it's quite a well-to-do little southern retiree town, wealthy. So I was kind of underdressed, I think, when I just walked the shops. It was so hot. I was just wearing like a, a tank top and shorts, and but people seemed it was so strange. The women, they didn't sweat. <laughs> And here I am with my hair sticking to my face and, you know, wiping perspiration. It was so hot, but it was really good. And then we went to, oh, we went to Arizona with her, um, Nevada, Hawaii, gosh, where else? All over the place, Pennsylvania. Um, Yeah, so it was good value. I did do a lot with her. But she was keen to get back home once all that came to an end. I mean, she's now just about to turn 20. So she wants to start her life and um, get out from underneath mum's wing. (laughs) And so then um, you go back there. I I guess you probably haven't been able to much in, you know, for a few years, I guess. Yeah, excuse me. The longest stint was during COVID and that was 20 months that we couldn't go back. However, uh, since we first came over, initially we were forced to go back every three months because even though my husband was working and he was fine, we had the house over here, the dogs had been moved over here, Lucy and I did not have our green cards and that process took, um, excuse me, that took about 18 months. So we were coming and going So it forced us to go back and forth after our tourist visa would end. Then we'd have to spend some time in Sydney. Then we'd have to come back. And then, unfortunately, my father was quite ill as well. So I was going back quite regularly to see him. So I have been back a lot, which I'm so thankful for. I think now that my father's now passed away, Lucy's now settled in Australia. So I think it should be probably about once a year now that I'll head back. I wish I could go more often, but, you know, it does cost money. So we just, right. have, to, we just have to work hard and save our pennies. And then, yeah, I scoot off. Where, where do you fly through that? Or where, how's that work? Yeah, I've, we have found the best way to go is Cincinnati down to Houston which is only two hours and then Houston overnight to Sydney which is about 15 hours or so but door-to-door is 21 hours and I know people will say only 21 hours but when you consider the fact that it's a night flight out of Houston and I've got some tips for excuse me um surviving that long flight, then it goes quite easily. So the tips would be to choose the carb option when they serve you a meal because carbs make you go into a coma when you're tired. Two glasses of Sav Blanc and a sleeping pill. So, and then I sleep for about nine or 10 hours and then you Uh, wake up and they're nearly serving breakfast and you can watch a movie. So yeah, I, that's my They're my tips that I swear by. Um, I will say coming back is a shocker because you leave in the daytime and there's so much daylight. So you can't really put yourself to sleep, but getting over there is fine. Yeah, uh, it's definitely nice doing that that night flight when you're going over to anywhere that way and being able to just sleep during the flight. And um, 
yeah, that's a big help. That's a real big help. Um, and then, you know, if you can, if you can get leg room, um, that's if unless you, you don't need leg room, then then you're great. But um, yeah, a little leg room never hurt anybody. No, I aim to go for seats. I change my seats so often before we fly because I'm looking, right, who's next to me? Okay. Oh, no, someone's right next to me. I have to, I'll go over here. And then I'm sort of going all over the place before, <laughs> just before they close off um, the opportunity to change your seat. So I'm usually pretty lucky. And you can, uh, so when you travel with someone and you do the aisle and, uh, Aisle and window seat. Yeah, we, yeah, we do tend to do that. Although it was funny because my husband came over with me in January for the first time in a number of years, and um, he's really annoying on a flight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we we did put in that we wanted an upgrade if there was the opportunity. And but otherwise we were in premium economy and I had him on the aisle near the windows and then there were the four seats in between us and then I was on the other aisle over here next to the other windows. And I remember going up to the desk in, oh, we actually had to go through LA, I believe, that time. And um and I went up to the desk and I said, oh, I'm just checking on our upgrade. <laughs> and the woman goes, do you know that you're not next to your husband? And I said, oh, yes, that's deliberate. He's so annoying because I'm trying to listen and he'll be poking me. He needs to ask me dumb questions that just aren't necessary. And then he'll just, he fidgets and I can't do it. And that's real life. Like, I don't know. Yeah. About us, but that's that's Frank and that's me. And then um, you're both so I, in the same place. We do. And so I, and I like to sleep a lot, as I mentioned. And then after I'd gone up, maybe half hour passed and he went up to the desk and he said, oh, I'd just like to see if there's been any change. And they go, you're the one that's annoying. And then the woman oh. said, hey, so-and-so come over here. This is the one where the woman doesn't <laughs> want to sit next to her husband. Oh. So. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty brutal in relation to flying with him. There are conditions because he thinks he's really funny. He has got a bit of a sense of humor, but he's, look, he's lovely and wonderful and playful. But when I'm on a flight, I don't want to talk to anyone. It's just, I think I turn mean. I mean, that's good to know that, because uh, I mean, you could just ignore it and just be miserable for yeah. 21 hours yeah. and you know take it out on him or take it out on somebody else but here you're learning the way to fly that's going to be most enjoyable for everybody it's so and true and I said nothing to wrong him, with that he said I can't believe you do this and he laughs when he says that and I said listen this is fantastic I'm protecting our marriage and we won't be wanting to divorce each other when we land so this <laughs> is perfect we'll actually look forward to seeing each other again yeah, exactly. The, yeah, yeah the, uh, on an airplane and, uh, you know, the absence makes the heart grow fonder on an airplane, I think yeah. is what what uh, what someone said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, knowing that kind of stuff is so important. 
that knowing what how you are um and not being afraid to just embrace that um something to help it helps everybody just knowing kind of what it is that's going to upset you mm-hmm. or anything like that and just being able to say ah you know what be a lot better this way and okay yeah, yeah. we've just- always been a couple that um talks about what's happening on a deeper level and we talk about emotions and taking self-inventory and that sort of thing so we've always talked about that so we can be straight up with each other and even a little while ago I knew that I was just not feeling right and it was also a full moon and I said to him look just to let you know I'll probably be just flat for a few days, but it's got nothing to do with you. So just put up with it, okay? And he's like, yeah, fine, that's that's fine. I, you know, I know in advance that, <laughs> that you're not all there and that, yeah. you know, life isn't perfect right at the moment. I mean, life's great, but just sometimes emotions, especially, Rusty, when you're menopausal, oh, my God, it's just up and down and here and there. And so, but the great thing is you can just blame everything on menopause. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry. I don't feel like coming out today. I've got the menopause. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it's the, uh, okay. I mean, what, what, what can, what can someone say? You know, it's like, okay, well, yeah. And, but then also, you know, you're letting him know that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I stay, stay away from me today or, um, don't, don't do anything that's gonna maybe, you know, like that normally I'd be fine with, but just like not today, not today. And it's like, okay, well, go do your thing if you you feel like you wanna you wanna see me or something for a little bit. You come say hi or whatever, and then go back to whatever you're doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's a lot better than you just being incredibly upset all the time yeah. or all during that time. And then, and then your husband getting upset yeah. uh, at that as well. When it's something that all, all you have to do is just say, "I, you know, it's not you. Yeah. It's not you. It's me." You know. Uh, exactly. And I think everybody should do that. And I yeah. think it's very important. You don't need to be around whoever you're with all the time. Yeah. And I mean that that's an important thing to know. Like. Yeah, sometimes you just need you need your own time and it's okay it's nothing nothing against the other person you just you need your time yeah it really works for us this is our second marriage for both of us so we're both used to being on our own and this is where it's really quite a gift because we both have been independent before and we really enjoy each other's company, but we're not dependent on each other to fill our happy tanks. So we'll be apart doing our own things and then we'll come together. And that coming together to do things is actually really nice. We appreciate one another. So we don't, it's interesting. 
the difference between my first and second marriages is so great. <laughs> um, I think the level of maturity, the level of understanding when you are with someone who is emotionally intelligent and kind of doesn't take things too personally and is able to see the big picture. He is the president of a manufacturing plant over here and he has been in that sort of role for many years. So I don't think that you can be someone in that role who is going to respond emotionally to things that happen. You just have to be quite logical and plan and aim to understand but not take someone else's stuff on board. So I really appreciate that about him um, because I was a bit of a mess when I came out of my first marriage and he used to say, it's your, I think you're stepping on an emotional landmine because what you're thinking is going on is not actually going on between us. It's your, it's stuff that's presenting itself from your past. And it was so true. And, and because I work in human behavior, I loved all these conversations that we would have. I'd never had really, well, I'd never had a partner to have those sorts of conversations with before. And we'd go really deep investigating why, like I said, you know, he likes to take self-inventory and um, and so do I. That's what I do a lot with work as well. But um, it just made it so much easier to step away from myself at the beginning of our relationship and um, to understand, yeah, hang on a minute, this has got nothing to do with him at all. And it allowed for a fresh perspective and it allowed me to grow as well. And uh, I'm a completely different person than I was 12 years ago. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I think it's very important to do that before you get into any other relationship or since you did it right at the beginning, being able to, because taking anything over and I mean, most of the time, we don't realize how much we're taking over and how much we're projecting onto the new person for no reason. Yeah. Um, you know, take if, uh, you know, someone has, uh, you know, been, you know, cheated on or something, and then you don't, you know, take, you know, uh, really be able to work through that in themselves and then go into the next relationship. And then that person, uh, the, you know, person that they're dating is just kind of getting their shit and it has nothing to do with them. And it's mm -hmm. just not, not an affair place. And it's just something that the other person hadn't been able to work through. And I mean, I mean, yeah, if you can, I mean, if everyone just has a little time to yeah take the self inventory of themselves, be able to realize what was going on in your last relationship and address that mm -hmm. and find a way to not bring that into the new one yeah um i think this world would be a lot better and i just i think that a lot of the times it gets pushed uh pushed down inside you and not wanting it to be brought up again and but then it comes out at really shitty times it does um, and and it's directed at the the new person in the relationship and I, what did i do like i don't know and um it's and yeah and just for yourself yeah sorry oh no that's okay um i was just gonna say 
when we first started going out, it was probably about six weeks into our relationship and something happened. I can't even remember what it was. And I was on the phone to him and I said, oh, I guess we're going to break up now. <laughs> and his response was, who are you, Chandler? And I said, what? He goes, have you ever seen that episode of Friends where Monica and Chandler are together now and something little happens, but it's Chandler's belief from past relationships that, oh, okay, everything's done now. And Monica goes, what do you think we're, we're breaking up? This is a relationship. This is real life. Things happen and we just talk it out. And I'll always remember that. But um, yeah, when he said, <laughs> are you, are you, why are you being Chandler? That's so funny. But that was my thought that, okay, if you do, I don't even think, I don't even know if I was doing anything other than just expressing what I needed or something like that. And it wasn't a fight. It was a discussion. But in previous relationships, maybe that wasn't necessarily a good thing to do or something that was wanted by other parties. So it was a whole new experience, but it, uh, yeah, certainly steered me in a different and better direction. That's for sure. And I mean, the more you know about yourself, um, I mean, there's never any downside to that. No. Um, you may think it is at first, like, oh, shit, well, there's a lot I need to work on. But you're working on it, and it's not going to yeah. make you better. It's not going to make you worse by working on yourself. Oh, exactly. And to be more aware of yourself, it's so empowering because it's so much better to come at life from a place of cause rather than effect and know that, well, you're in, in charge of your own own reactions towards life and if I'm feeling shitty or resentful or something that we deem negative towards another person it's got nothing to do with them and everything to do with me and it's it's almost fun now because it's like doing a, a puzzle it's like wow where has that come from and what old belief has that got to do with and it's like just knock it off already okay like <laughs> that's been 20 years since that happened so it's got nothing to do with right now but um yeah it, it's a it, I like thinking I'm a Gemini so I live in my head so to self-analyze and to take self-inventory for my greater good that's my happy place and that's a great place to be. And I mean, yeah, so like I said, it's not going to hurt you mm. getting uh, anything uh, figured out. Anything figured out that's you know going to help you streamline your life yeah. into you know not not having unnecessary uh, fights or um, you know just any sort of uh, unnecessary conflict of just you know being aware like you said being aware of what, what you what you do and who you are and why things are the way they are yeah it's like a good good idea and I mean I assume that helps out with you being an empty nester mm -hmm. uh you know with with their not but then I can imagine it being a with kids around it probably only multiplies that uh, effect yes yes it certainly does but it has been really helpful um since becoming an empty nester because that was a really dreadful six months so Lucy went back and then five months later dad passed away in Sydney and um I was at a really really low point back over here and 
about a year ago, I couldn't get myself out of bed and I knew what I had to do. I knew I had to restart that process of uh, using the tools, knowledge, advice, uh, strategies and practices that I had used before and coached other women um, with before. It was hard, but I knew I had that was going to be the way to pull myself out of this slump. And I thought, well, if I'm going to help myself, I'm going to take other empty nest mums along for the ride as well. So I started assisting other mums in my situation and it's been so therapeutic. It's been great. It's It makes me feel good to be able to not only help other women through this process, but I think the greatest drive for me is that it's really important for me that no empty nest mum is left alone thinking that there's no one to hear her, that she doesn't matter, that this is all in her head, that she has no one to connect with. So I think it's that isolation that is something that I wanted to, um, I guess, eradicate with empty nest mums and to be able to bring as many as I come together so they know there is a safe space just to be heard and feel like they belong because the disconnection was a really big theme that came up when I started researching and doing surveys with empty nest mums on what was going on, you know, how do you feel? I know how I feel, but I want to hear about you. So disconnection from what? Their uh, life as they knew it. So their identity changes. They're no longer an in-person mum. They don't know what their purpose is. They are now looking at their partner, spouse, whoever you have thinking, oh, who are you as an individual at this stage of life? Because you've always just been dad or another mom or a partner. So that's different. So they, they, a lot of them feel disconnected from their friendship groups because their friends still have kids who are at home. So there's this shattering of life as they once knew it. And it's a, it's a disconnection from certainty. It's a disconnection from the six core human needs, love and connection, certainty, safety and security, significance, variety, contribution and growth. So for a lot of them, when their kid walks out that door, the uh, way in which those core needs have been filled and met dramatically decreases, yet it's not something that an empty nest mum would Think about as she closes that door. All right, my Kay, now let's go and address my core needs situation because my child's just left and I'm going to feel a bit low and I'll just understand why I feel a bit low. It's closing that door and thinking, what the F just happened? And there's shock, turmoil, confusion, depression, fear, grief, loss, and it's not necessarily addressed. And I think by using the, I call it, there's a hole in my bucket. Because when I was thinking about it earlier on, that song came into my mind, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza. And I thought, this is what this is what it is. There are those six core need buckets. And when our kids leave home, the way in which our needs were met, there it, a hole is formed. And 
you know, the way those needs are met are depleted and we don't know why we're feeling this way and we feel really strange and alone. But there's a there's a logical reason. And I think when more women know about this logical reason and then there is a way to fill those buckets back up, it's just like, well, who am I not to be experiencing this grief? I mean, hello, look what's just happened. Right. And so then are there, is there empty nest dad thing? Is that a a thing really at all or? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there is. However, I've always worked with women. The, the way I've always worked is I have to work with a reflection of myself. And when I first started coaching back in 2008 in Sydney, I was working with women in transition because I was going through a divorce. And it's always been really important to me to work with others from my most authentic space. Sure. I don't get I don't get the headspace or I'm not necessarily aligned with the headspace of a male. So I personally don't think I would be as effective because I'm not a bloke. I haven't grown up as one. I know about you, but I not I not I am not you. Um so I want to be able to help in my most authentic way. So I've always helped women. So at this stage, I help the mums because I am kind of in their head. We're so similar. We can talk the talk. We kind of know what each other is dealing with. So it's important for me to come from an authentic place. And so, yeah, but I'm sure I would love to know who's out there helping the emptiness dads. Is there a guy out there who is totally in tune with them that can help them through? Because that would be just as much of a problem, perhaps in a different way, but there are men out there who are feeling all sorts of things due to their kids leaving. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting to you know, kind of compare and contrast notes of between the two and you of you and um and so then are you when you're doing your coaching is it more is it in person uh online or are you doing com- uh, not conventions um uh, what are they called like um, workshops and yeah like a workshop or something with yeah. with multiple people and yeah so for the last year or so I have been uh, working on a book that's about to come out, um, which will also be a course. But my initial desire was to get a community going. As I mentioned before, it was that need to not let any emptiness mum feel like she's been left behind. So communities have been created. Um, I have, uh, so in the last year, it's all been about writing the book. I have a podcast for empty nest mums called Fly Mum Fly. So it's just been about creating spaces for women to hear other people's stories or can share their stories and not feel so alone. So we have a great group on Facebook. It's the Inspired Empty Nest Mums group where women can come and share. And then we have the podcast where other empty nest mums jump on and share their experiences. A lot of them have gone on to find a purpose. So they're able to share what they're doing now and perhaps encourage and inspire or help other mums. So it's been about creating these uh, environments where women can connect 
with other women in the same situation. Once the book is out, I really, it's my dream to hop in my car, travel around the country and go to not even necessarily big cities. I'd rather go to small towns and out of the way places and connect with mums who want to come and talk about this and say, well, here's a resource. The book is called The Post Nest Plan. So it's a proactive book where women now rediscover and reconnect and re-identify who they are at this stage of life because we're far different than who we were before we had kids. We're different now being remote mums, not in-person mums. And it's about rediscovering who we are and laying that foundation. And at the end of the book, women will come out with their own unique plan according to who they are because Uh a lot of the book is doing self-inventory to find out just that because a lot of us don't even know who we are once we, once we become an empty nester. And so then uh, let me ask you about your book. So your book, um, so are you writing it? Did you do an outline of it first and then fill in the blanks or was it just here's, I'm going to write a book and then just write it and then change the uh, format and uh, Well, it was actually, I did a course last between last October and January to create a course because I thought, okay, this is what empty nest mums need a course. And then I graduated from that, that course and I had my course. And then I thought, "Mm, no, not right now. I think women need a book. Women need to just scribble on things, mark pages, be able to go through it at their own pace. So I thought, no, I really want to make this into a book. So I transferred it into a book and then it will go back to being a course, but a better, more streamlined course. So there are two options. People will be able to do both. But I just felt felt really drawn to taking the course and transferring it into a book with more personal stories. Um, Yeah, I yeah. So it was a course, then it was a book, then it will be another course, (laughs) so to speak. So was it... uh... When you come up with ideas, how are you jotting them down? If you come up with an idea in the middle of the day, how are you jotting it down? Yeah, well, a lot of this stemmed from work. Because I've been working in this area for about 15 years now, there were things that I had written a long time ago. So the book is based on my personal three A's for change. It's uh, acceptance, awareness, and action. So it's based on that. And then I already had a lot of the, um, I guess, the, the, the meat of the book already in Facebook posts or written for other articles and that sort of thing. So I was just rehashing about 50% of it is reworking material that I used in the, that I created and used in the past and but reworking it now for this phase of life, the phase that I'm in. So it's going to, so other empty nest mums can connect with that. And then a lot of it was relaying my own personal experience in story form. So, and then some of it was totally new, actually. It was like, this is, I don't know about anyone else, but when I'm in the shower, it's like it's an open portal 
it's kind of like a, 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 I don't know, watery meditation or something like that, because I drift off in the shower and I probably use way too much hot water, but I'm just thinking and a lot of stuff stuff comes from that space. And then I think, yeah, actually I'll go downstairs and I'll jot that down and I'll make something of that. So it came from a lot of places. Have you ever thought about a uh, the, the waterproof, uh, um, not like a whiteboard, but like, you know, a thing you can write stuff on in the shower? Yes. Uh, yes. It's a thing. Yeah, I need that because I remember, um, I remember when I first started out and I was with my girls, I, we had um moved house I was now a single mom and the girls were little and I used to receive so much good information in the shower that quite often I would come out of the shower still wet and I'd say girls don't speak to me I've just got to remember something to write down and I'd run downstairs totally naked and and it'll be like writing something down and then I'd go back up and finish my shower because I thought wow that's so profound I can't forget this nobody speak to me until I get this down on paper so yeah I do need one of those things in the shower I think it would be more helpful yeah I, I mean either way works either way seems all right yeah and uh so uh let's see so then so when you're writing then are, are you uh are you writing it out in a like on a, in a notebook are you writing it out on paper are you using a typewriter using your phone are you using a computer are you using a chisel and stone <laughs> yeah the chisel and stone well <laughs> with this one i had because i was um because i was creating the course first it was more about writing modules and then so what I did was I got I purchased a big whiteboard and at first I just scribbled everything down every idea that came into my mind I'd scribble down on the whiteboard and then I would spend minutes and minutes and minutes just staring at it and then I knew the three modules that I wanted to do and then it would it was important for me to for it to unfold like a story, a story of someone, like what would be the steps that someone would take to effectively come out the other end? What do they need to know first? So then some ideas I chucked, got rid of, what do they call it? Um, kill the little darlings, I think they call it, or someone mentioned that. So you kill your little darlings, all the stuff that's just, you know, not needed. And then there was the stuff that was going to be really useful. And then it was just put into a sequence of, well, this is the natural first step. This is the natural middle. And this is the natural final step. And then when transferring that to um, the book, it became part one, part two, part three, and then the chapters inside. Okay. And then, so then as far as that goes with... Uh with the book writing and course making, uh, where are you with the chat GPT kind of uh, assistance with that? And um, cause I mean, yeah, like there's a lot of, most anything I do that's creative, now I don't, it's, it's hard. I say like, I don't, I don't know. I, I have so many different feelings about it both ways. Um, mm -hmm. But where, where are you with, with that as far I, as? I love chat GPT for hashtags. I love it for my podcast, actually, because I'll, um, I have my intro script and then it'll be um, modify this for an episode 
uh, description for, so I like it like that. When I write, um, when I write, I'm almost, well, I'm actually typing because I'm not writing the book out. When I write, um, a lot of it needs to just, it's, I don't know, once again, it's in that meditative state where that flow just naturally comes. So I think I think in my case, I love to just write in that flow. But then it's funny because when it comes time to edit, oh, wow, because I'll type how I speak um, yeah. and it's quite interesting. And then um, I need to. So the book has been edited quite a bit for to take out my own speak, but to still get that message across. Um, by someone else or by you? Me, someone else, and then a third party yet again. And then now I'm re so now I'm on to me rereading it before I submit. So is it? I, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. Like I feel I'm worried about it not being absolutely perfect, but it's interesting now having this conversation today and what we've been talking about with just authenticity. I think I I think with podcasting, um, a lot of information we get is it's got to be perfect. It's got to be perfect. And then I go on to the self-publishing groups. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be perfect. And I think what actually is going to happen if it's not, if I have used one word when I should have used another, is the sky going to fall? No, I just think, God, we've been so conditioned into this bullshit way of life, haven't we? And it's right. just, me over and over and it's starting to become a big theme and it's making me so uncomfortable to think how programmed am I becoming to think every single aspect of what I put out there needs to be perfect and at the at this morning I was making my coffee and am I allowed to swear uh yes you're allowed to swear well I'll just you... say the letter and I thought if this for a joke fuck yeah, I, I'm I just thought, gonna say it. Yes, oh, thank you. Because in America, yeah. it's different than Australia. So, oh, I, well, not, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, well, some some places in America. Um, but I thought, fuck this for a joke. You are here. Your main thing here with all of this is to be of service. Get over yourself and be of service. If you're trying to be better, better, better version of yourself, that's not you. You need to deliver how you deliver. Those who resonate with you will think, okay, that's great. But I don't think anyone's going to try and hang me because there might be a colon instead of a semicolon or something like that. I mean, the book, I keep reading it. It's, it's, it's fine. But there's been this resistance because what if, it's, what if there is something that I've missed? And I just, I get really cross in the last 24 hours. I've thought about this so much. And I thought, this is just effing ridiculous. Like, just get over yourself, upload it, and get on with it. Because it's been on my mind. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of in conflict with myself because it's like, it's not perfect. I can't do it. It's like, well, you can't go to sleep at night because it's not uploaded yet. So what's your solution? Just upload it, you know? So... Yep. I'm glad, so glad we've had this talk today because it's really taken me back to what's important. And I mean, the, you know, someone saying it's not perfect, it's their imperfection, it's their version of perfect, it's not your version of perfect. Yeah. Your version of perfect is different than someone else's version of perfect. Yeah, true. And 
yeah. And so, I mean, it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's all on you anyway. And then, yeah, people, the people that are gonna get you are gonna get you and you don't need to please the people that are not gonna get you anyway. Mm -hmm. So not everyone's gonna get you. And I, I know, I know that, <laughs> more than a lot of people um, that not everybody is going to get me. And I've learned to, because I've also had, you know, hey, try to broaden who you're, you know, talk more so everyone can, but it's not for everyone. It's for people that, it's for people that are going to resonate with you. And those people that are going to resonate with you are not going to, they're going to be thrown off and they're going to think, why, who's she trying to talk to? They're just trying to talk to people that, are not me but then when they're hearing what you're saying that's you're perfect that's perfect for them yeah yeah and so, so true and even if at the end of the day whatever we do it helps us it helps us to live more in that state of joy because we're coming at a place of authenticity then if we help ourselves we're better people for the rest of the world anyway so oh I'm so glad you're like my yeah. therapist <laughs> well I it's kind of my job you and, are, uh, you're a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and I mean, and then, yeah, if, when you're helping yourself, then that in turn is going to help other people with yeah. them, not even, you know, just by you being the, you know, the that uh, more better person, a part of yourself. Um, okay. Yeah. Someone's going to get that, that part of you and Maybe they'll be inspired. Maybe they're not going to react the same way because of how you are yeah. now at a different level. And then uh, just, yeah. So true. Do, do it for you. Do it for you. And um, your people will be there. Your people are already there. Yeah. And so, yeah, keep at it. And so uh, the people who are not there for you yet, but are going to be there for you now, where are they going to go and find you? Well, the one-stop shop with the podcast, the Facebook group, and any other way they want to connect, plus further resources, are at inspiredemptynest.com. Excellent. That's easy. I can't forget that one. So, um, yeah, and then, yeah, when everything else is happening, just you go back there, you keep keep looking at that and keep going back and you, you'll learn. You'll learn. And so, yeah, I hope, I hope that... Uh, you got some some new people uh, to have, you know, a new new point of view. Like they may not have known um, that something like that, with like what you do, yeah. is something that even exists, or the you know that you know they're not alone. Yeah. And so, uh, thank you very much for that. Oh, thanks, and Rusty. It's been great. Absolutely, and. Um, yeah, uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day and you never have to have Cincinnati chili more than one time. <laughs> uh, you can and you can still go to Waffle House uh, if you want. But then uh, if you ever need a haircut or if you need uh, you need some some cool clothes or other um, nostalgic anything, uh, you can go to Mojo Casher. Um, and yeah, so yeah. And so have a great rest of your day, Bobby. I'll we'll talk soon. OK, thanks, mate. Bye. Uh, but all right, that's Bobby Chegwen. So uh, check her out. I'll put the website there in the link uh, in the description. I'll put it in the link. So 
easy to find. There's some other stuff that'll be in the description of how to find her. I don't remember what it is, but it's in there. And I, you know, you know me, you know me and Chad GPT will take care of it and get that to you in a nice, nice um, thing, a nice fucking way to do it. So thank you guys, everyone, for listening here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN. Uh, check out other shows that I co-host on this network, such as When the Gloves Come Off. The Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Saved by the Ben. The show is brought to you by Stoner Eats Productions, Fred Ben Savage as fuck, uh, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is great, and SockEmUp.org. And also check out Mojo Casher, um, M-O-J-O-C-A-S-H-E-R. Good people. So you guys, thank you for listening. Like, share, subscribe. Do all that stuff you do. You're doing a good job of it. It's getting the numbers already. So um, thank you for that. So everyone have a great day. And that is the show, man. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right?